we have been looking for the last few weeks on the Holy Spirit. And I mentioned that the reason I talk so much about the Holy Spirit is that I probably need him more than many people here. I have, in my life, been in a situation so many times where if it were not for God and his Holy Spirit, I would be a complete mess. And so, I know that some people by themselves, you're talented and by yourself, you're intelligent and by yourself, you are able to do many things, but for me, talking about the Holy Spirit is important because he really has completely changed my life. And so we've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit for the last week or so. And today I want us to talk about the revelation gifts. I'm going to give an overall wrapping up, but just to start off, some time ago, Daly and I were going iron shopping. You know, when you, your, your iron to press our clothes was not working too well. And we decided that we needed to have a new iron because sometimes this would heat and sometimes it wouldn't heat. And so we went to Bed Bath and Beyond, I think it was. And we were looking at the irons and there, there was this nice iron for 19.95, And it was just a plastic and metal case, you know, just no, no substance to it. And so we... we you, you never ever buy the cheapest one, you know, because unless it's really good. But you, we decided we're not going to buy the 1995 iron. And so we looked at the one for 24.95. No, you're talking some. This one is a non-stick bottom. And we say, yes, that one will, will work. It, it looks good. But then there was one that was a little bit more expensive, 29.95. And we said, all right, this 21.95 really looks like it would do a good job. And just to let you know, in our house, I am the ironer. So I'm the one who is using the iron all the time. You know? So I, I need to have a good iron. And so we're about to, to leave the store when I see out of the corner of my eye this other iron. And this one really looks good. It's like space age iron. It was called the, I, I wrote on the name, it was called the Rowento Advancer. No, that's the masculine name. If, if, if you're a man and you like to press. And then this, this iron was heavy. And it had 400 microsteam holes in the bottom of the iron. And it was platinum. It's not just the regular non-stick bottom. It's, it's platinum bottom. People will do anything to get your money. So we looked on the price, and the price was $39.95. And we said, oh, I don't really think we should buy an iron for that. But it's me, and I'm the ironer. I want this nice, heavy iron. <laughs> and so I took the iron. We went to the cashier, and they rang it up, $139.95. Somebody made a mistake and left the one off. And I'm saying, there is... Who on earth would ever buy an iron for $139.95? What can that iron do? 
but you know how it is. It stores when you buy, when you go to purchase something, if they mislabel it, they give you the price that it was worth. So we got this 139.95 iron for 39.95. And so we're going home and I'm laughing. What can this iron do? So it's time to iron and I plug the no, I, I'm not reading, I'm not reading the instructions. Men don't read instructions. So I get the iron out, I put in water, I plug it in, turn it on, and I hear whoosh. Four hundred little microbeads coming out of the iron. And as I I, I started the iron to close, all the wrinkles went out with one move. And I said, now I know why this iron costs $139.95. I will never go back to the $39.95 iron. Now I have experienced real power. You see, sometimes you think you know power until you meet power. Today, I'm going to be talking about the power gifts. And there is a lot passing as power these days. There are many people who are pretending as if they have certain gifts, but when you check it out, there is no real substance behind what they're presenting. And so we are going to be looking at these gifts of the Holy Spirit that are called the power gifts. And just to remind you, before we delve into the power gifts, what we're talking about when we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, these are the gifts listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, reading from verse 7 to 11. So let me read these. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. It says, but the manifestation, 1 Corinthians 12, reading from verse 7 to 11, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So those nine gifts are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And on this start right here that we have, you see how we have divided them into three different sections. The first set of group gifts we're talking about are the revelation gifts. And we spent some time last time looking at the revelation gifts, the gift of word of wisdom, where God gives you a special divine wisdom to answer a situation in any particular time that is needed. Then there's the gift of word of knowledge. That's the gift where nobody told you, but God told you what's going on, and you can say things or you can declare things that it's as if you're reading people's mails without their permission. You're reading the mail without permission. Then you have discerning of spirits, where you're able to discern what is happening in the spiritual realm. 
And I mentioned that you have two types of discernment of spirits. You have the type of discernment of spirit when you can discern what God is doing. And there is the type of discernment of spirit where you discern what the devil is doing. And both work hand in hand. And there are some people who are stronger with the discernment that has to do with what God is doing. And then some who has to do with the discernment that the devil is doing. And both work very well. The next set of group, our next set of, set of gifts that we're going to talk about next week are the vocal gifts where we're going to talk about prophecy, different kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. But today we are going to focus on the second set, which is what we call the power gifts, the gift of faith, the gifts of healings, and the working of miracles. However, before jumping into focusing on these power gifts, I want us to understand something very important. And so I want to talk about what is called the kenosis theory. Kenosis comes from the Greek kino, which means to empty. And there are many people who have used this theory. It's a, it's a very theological term. But it's a theory that, that talks about how Jesus Christ emptied himself. This doctrine argues that Jesus emptied himself of all or some of his divine attributes in order to carry out the work of redemption in our lives. And the passage that people use to talk about this kenosis theory where it talks about Jesus Christ emptying himself is very often in Philippians chapter 2 verses 7 and 8. Whenever I preach, I sometimes use a lot of scriptures, and so it's important if you want to just write them down quickly and maybe get a chance to go back to it afterwards. But Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, but made himself of no reputation, that's talking about Jesus, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And so here you can see that Jesus Christ came and he gave up all the glory of heaven. And so people have taken this passage to argue that when Jesus Christ came to earth, he emptied himself of all his God traits. And that's not true. I could take you through scripture after scripture to show you that when Jesus Christ was on earth, he was 100% God all the time. But at the same time, Jesus Christ was 100% man. And so the kenosis theory that we're talking about argues that what Jesus Christ did was he took away all his divine attributes, but the verses that we're looking here talks not about Jesus emptying himself of divine attributes, but it's talking about how he took a lowly position. Notice what it says. He made himself of no reputation. That's what we have in verse 7. He emptied himself of his reputation. <laughs> J.I. Packer, who is a great theologian who argues about things to do with the Bible, he has looked at the 
kenosis theory that we're talking about. And what J.I. Packer has said is that if you really want to understand the incarnation, that's Jesus Christ coming into the world as a man, what you should do is look on John chapter 1, verse 14, and 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. John chapter 1, verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's John chapter 1, verse 14. So it talks about Jesus Christ coming into the earth, and he was made flesh. Then 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, and through, that through his poverty you might become rich. So that is Jesus Christ giving up his rights as God to come and live as man. However, this, this, this very, very respected theologian, I think, misses the point when he argues that what Jesus Christ was doing, and I'll, I'll read exactly what he said, Christ is laying aside not his divine powers and attributes, but his divine glory and dignity. In other words, Jesus was fully God and fully man. But here is where J.I. Packer, I believe, makes a big mistake. He says, Jesus was not wholly bereft of divine knowledge and power, but drew intermittently while being content much of the time not to do so. So what J.I. Packer, this great theologian, was saying was that what Jesus Christ did was sometimes he used his God traits and sometimes he used his traits as a human being. And he gives the example of the Samaritan woman. And he says that when Jesus Christ spoke to the Samaritan woman and he told her all these things that, that nobody else could have told him about her, where he's saying to her, you indeed have had five husbands, but the person who you're living with now is not your husband. Nobody told him that. And so what J.I. Packer says is that what Jesus Christ was doing was drawing on his omniscience, where he is God who knows everything. That's wrong. Jesus was not using or drawing on his divine attributes. And that's why it's important for us to understand before we start talking about the power gifts. Because what Jesus Christ was doing was drawing on the power of the Holy Spirit to use him. And just as we, we spoke last time about the word of knowledge, what Jesus was actually doing was drawing on the gift of word of knowledge. So the problem we have with this Jesus Christ drawing intermittently on his God powers is how can we know when Jesus Christ was drawing on his God powers? If Jesus drew on his power in intermittently, was he a true example for poor sinners who are void of a divine nature? And the answer is no. If Jesus Christ simply drew on the power of God when he needed to, to 
do a certain miracle, then what would happen is that we would never be able to say we can draw on that same Holy Spirit in order for us to perform miracles. And so what I want to argue for in developing this, this discussion about the power gifts is what I call total divine restraint. J.R. Parker argues for partial divine restraint where Jesus Christ restrained himself from using his God attributes and he used it sometimes. The problem is if you start talking about Jesus Christ using it sometimes, how many times did he use his God powers? And there is no scriptural support to say at this particular time Jesus Christ was using his God powers and at this other time he wasn't. And so I believe that what the Bible teaches is what we call total divine restraint. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, reading from verse 15 and 16, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Notice this phrase that, that says, as we are. It's, it's coming from a, a phrase that says, according to our likeness. In other words, Jesus operated on earth according to your likeness and according to my own likeness. And so what he did was he used the power of the Holy Spirit that is in us just as much as he used the power of the Holy Spirit that was residing in him. The same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus Christ is the same Holy Spirit that is in us. So as we now look at the, the power gifts, it's important for us to understand that the powerful works that Jesus did are repeatable by us. We have the same Holy Spirit who empowered him living inside of us. And so when Jesus Christ says something like, greater works you will do, he did not mean that, well, you can try to do this or you can do these greater works, but you will have a different power in you to do greater works than I did. No, 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 no. The same Holy Spirit who resided in Jesus Christ that came when he was baptized, that same Holy Spirit is inside of you and he's willing to use you in power. Just to give some examples of this issue of power, we're going to be talking today about these three gifts, the gifts of faith. And then we're going to be talking about the gifts of healings and the working of miracles. So let's now jump to talking about the first gift of the power gifts, which is the gift of faith. This is a unique form that goes beyond natural faith and saving faith. This faith supernaturally trusts God and does not doubt with reference to specific matters involved. And in Matthew chapter 17, 
we hear Jesus Christ talking to his disciples. And I'm going to read that passage, Matthew chapter 17. And the verse is verse 14 to 20. Matthew 17, verses 14 to 20. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to him, to, to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. That faith goes beyond just saving faith. That faith goes beyond just ordinary faith. This is a faith that moves to the point where you can command things that seem as if they cannot move and they will move. Now, when it comes to understanding some of these gifts, this is one of the things that I have a little trouble understanding in the Bible. Because Jesus Christ is saying, if you are in accordance with my will and you say to this mountain, be moved from here and go there, it will happen. And I'm not necessarily thinking that Jesus was talking about a literal mountain, although in some cases I've heard of situations where things have actually moved. But I'm talking about the fact that he's saying when we have this faith as a simple mustard seed, and we ask certain things of him, he will do it. There are examples in history of people who have moved with this very strong gift of faith. For example, George Mueller. I've, I, I read his autobiography once, and he had this orphanage, and sometimes the finances weren't coming in as he would have loved them to. And so they came to him and said, Mr. Mueller, what will we do? We don't have food to cook for the, the orphanage this evening. And he said to them, I want you to take a pot, put it on the stove, turn it on, and boil it. And they're looking at him and saying, okay. And so they go and they put this pot on the stove with water in it. And before the water came to a boil, Someone knocked at the door and said, you know, I was just passing and had these, these groceries and I wanted to bring it. And they brought the grocery. They were able to prepare it just as the water was coming to a boil, soup for everyone. That's the gift of faith. 
even closer in our surroundings, and I don't know what you think about him, it doesn't matter, but Pat Robertson, right in this, this area, he's a man with a strong gift of faith. Not only did he build a university, but he bought up with very little money all the land. Have you been there and, and looked at all the land that he bought? It's like a whole island. That's the gift of faith. It's moving beyond what you can see. And that is not just saving faith. It's a faith that is a gift of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit places that in your hand. I remember when we were starting Go Church, and we received a gift of $5,000 to purchase, to do whatever we, we wanted to do. And I looked at that $5,000, and we had... At that time, about three weeks, four weeks left for us to launch Go Church. We hadn't had a single fundraiser as yet. And so the thought was, you have $5,000. You don't know where anything else is coming from. Look and see which equipment you can buy for $5,000. And so I went and I started to examine all the equipment. I looked at what other churches were using then I went to Alpha Music and I saw what they had. And I determined that because of our unique need as a church, we needed to have a certain set of equipment. And I went and I saw a mixer that was more expensive than every other mixer in the store. And that was precisely the mixer we needed because it could save the settings. We could use it. Another time, we could, because we're going to be setting up and tearing down, we needed to have a good sound system. So I said, I'm going to get this mixer. But then that mixer had 16 channels. So this is the, the most expensive mixer in the store. And it had 16 channels. And I said, do you have one with more channels? And so they ordered a mixer with 24 channels. Now, all we have was $5,000. And the mixer cost more than just half, was more than half that money that we had in our hands. So what should we do? I took the entire $5,000 and made a deposit on our sound system. Knowing that since God was the one who called us to this ministry, that he would provide. Now people were wondering, am I going loco <laughs> because you have $5,000 and you're buying a mixer for $3,000. But here's, here's what happened in the end. Because we bought that mixer and we bought speakers that were powered speakers, it turned out that in the end, because I did not go little on the equipment that we were buying, it turned out that our equipment cost much less because we got a mixer that got rid of things like frequency amplifiers that we went big but we saved money in the end but that was not because I saw the money where it was coming from it was because God empowered me with the gift of faith to believe him for what we needed and that's what God wants God wants to give you faith 
to believe for more than just the ordinary. And so I'm going to show you this short clip. It's actually four minutes long that talks about a group of people who exercised this, this gift of faith where God empowered them with the gift of faith and that caused a transformation in the entire community. Now, this video is a little old. It's from 2002, so some of you might have seen it before. But let's watch this video and then we'll talk some more. The spirit behind the idol held tenacious power over the people of Almalonga. It's just a wooden mask, but it's very powerful, a terrible stronghold that binds people. During these dark days, the gospel did not fare well. Outside evangelists were commonly chased away with sticks or rocks, while small local house churches were also stoned. Evangelical Christians were a despised minority. On one occasion, six men shoved a gun barrel down Mariano's throat. As they began to pull the trigger, he silently petitioned the Lord for protection. When the hammer fell, nothing happened. Delivered from death, Pastor Riscaje called his small flock into prayer. It was time to break the stranglehold of violence, superstition, and poverty. As the intercessors lifted their petitions heavenward, they were filled with a supernatural faith. We told the Lord, it is not possible that we could be so insignificant when your word says we are heads and not tails. We kept fasting three or four days a week, and every Saturday we held a prayer vigil. And that was what I think opened the door. People started to be delivered, men started to be saved and come to church. It was a tremendous, tremendous blessing. A revival, I would call it. And then after uh, many signs and wonders started taking place and, and uh, a lot of mass deliverances from demonic oppression, um, churches started growing. One dramatic healing involved a woman named Teresa. A botched medical procedure had led to the onset of gangrene. Her internal organs were literally rotting. I was in a lot of pain, so much that I couldn't walk. My whole body was paralyzed and I couldn't even eat or talk. She was very sick, and her condition got worse with every passing day. There was nothing we could do, so we decided to arrange her funeral because there was no hope for her. The house was filled with family members and neighbors had gathered outside. Everyone thought she was dying. The smell of death was everywhere. They called me to arrange the funeral, and on the way there, the Lord told me to pray for her. So I just went up to her bed and said, In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and she rose up instantly with no sickness in her body. I felt a warmth and I saw a bright light above me. Then I opened my eyes and I saw the pastor. I rejoice before the Lord for my healing and I give thanks to God for my life. After they saw the miracle, my mother and all my brothers and sisters were converted. With such dramatic testimonies, hundreds began giving their hearts to Christ. But the Holy Spirit's presence has not been measured by church growth alone. A walk through Almalonga's bustling commercial district reveals the impact of the revival's social transformation. Streets and buildings are named after biblical places. Even the town's agricultural base has come to life. 
For years, crop yields around Almalonga suffered from a combination of arid land and poor work habits. But as the people have turned to God, they have seen a remarkable transformation of their land. And Almolonga became a fertile valley. It is so fertile, that the land is so, so good. They produce the best vegetables. They get as many as three harvests per year. They sell their vegetables to Guatemala, south of Mexico, and El Salvador. Before the spiritual turnaround, growers were exporting four truckloads of produce a month. Now, they leave town 40 times a week. Nicknamed America's Vegetable Garden, Al Malonga's produce is of biblical proportions. You have to see them to believe. A bit is four and a half pounds. A carrot is this size. It is, it is just unbelievable. It... Look, it's bigger <laughs> than my heart. It's bigger than my heart. Oh, it's great grocer. You can see what faith did when the people who were just praying for God's deliverance received this supernatural gift of faith, and that supernatural gift of faith transformed their society. Now, as we're talking, we're talking about the, the gift of, of faith, we need to understand that it's a deep-seated, unwavering confidence that God is going to come through for you. But it's not the same thing as being presumptuous. Sometimes we think that because we have the gift of faith, we can just do whatever we want to do and God will come through. That's not what the gift of faith is. The gift of faith is when God places something in your heart and you know that you know that you know that God is going to do it and then you can hang on to that. It is not an excuse for lack of planning or sound administration. When we were starting Go Church, I was actually asked to go to a meeting with somebody who wanted to make sure that I knew what I was getting into. Because we're launching a church and we're, we have a whole eight weeks from the time we announced the church to the time we planted the church. And by the time we got the, through the announcements of everything we had, five or so weeks left, and we had to be doing our fundraising, and so they were wondering, am I simply going on blind faith? And so I was asked to attend a meeting where someone was going to check up on me to see if I had any idea what I was about to do. And so I entered the meeting, and the person started asking questions, and I took out my proposal, and I showed where we're going to meet, what we're going to do, who's on the team. I had every single question that the person had to ask me already on paper because I had thought through everything. The gift of faith is not an excuse for you not to be prepared. The gift of faith is not an excuse for you to go and do things without God saying, this is what you need to do. So here are some of the challenges. I like to tell you the challenges because sometimes we hear the good and we don't realize that there are challenges with every gift that the Holy Spirit gives. And the first challenge is understanding how to balance faith with practical living. Do you put money in the savings account? 
Or do you just trust God that he is always going to provide for your need? And I think that it's important for us to learn how to balance that gift of faith with practical living. And that's where mentoring is con con is comes in. Because while you have a gift, you might find yourself going on the extreme without having the balance that God wants you to have. The next area of challenge I find is that your partner may not share the gift. If there is one gift of the Holy Spirit that can wreck a marriage, it's the gift of faith. And I, I say that very carefully. What I mean is, if you have the gift of faith and you don't exercise your God-given wisdom, it can destroy your marriage. Here's how. You have the gift of faith and you believe that God is going to provide. But your wife wants to know where is the money coming from for this. Or you have the gift of faith and you can believe God for big things and you have a peace and a calm about you. But your husband doesn't have that same peace and calm that you have. And while you are there thinking that God is going to deliver and God is going to do this, your partner is through going through stress and they're having ulcers because they're not feeling the same thing you have the confidence about. You see how that works? And so the gift of faith needs to be used with the gift of wisdom, especially when it comes to operating in a family situation because you don't want to drive your wife or your husband nuts. Because God gave you the grace and you need to be able to extend that grace to someone who does not have that gift as well. And sometimes you might think, why doesn't everybody get, get with the program? We can, we can build a bigger church. But there are some people who don't have the gift of faith and they say, no, we need to be conservative. And you have to learn how to give and take and how to work with each other. The next gift in the power gifts is the gifts of healings. The gifts of healings. The gifts of healings are those healings that God performs supernaturally by the Spirit. The plural suggests that there are many sicknesses, many diseases. The gift is related to the healings of many disorders. And so... When we are talking about the gifts of healings, we want to understand that just as there are many sicknesses, God also gives many gifts. Notice it's not just the gift of healings, it's the gifts with an S of healings. And so you might have somebody who has a certain type of disease and somebody, have you ever realized that somebody might have uh, a special anointing to pray for people with cancer. That's how it works. And that's that person who has a special anointing to pray for people who, has, who have cancer. They might not necessarily have the same anointing to pray for people with a headache. And so you think that this person just, just prayed for this person and they were healed of AIDS. How come they prayed for my backache and I still have my backache? Gifts of healings. Let me give you an example. In Matthew chapter 
in John chapter 9, verses 1 to 12, we read the story of this person who was born blind. John chapter 9, 1 to 12, and they brought this man born, born blind to Jesus, and they asked Jesus to heal him. And so what did Jesus do? He did one of his species. You know, sometimes Jesus does miracles a certain way, but this time he decided that he was going to spit on, the, 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 on the, the clay. So he spit on the clay. He mixed it up. Now, that is not the way you want to be healed. But Jesus spit, spat on the ground. He mixed it up and then anointed the man's eyeball. And the man was healed. He said, go and wash yourself in this water. And when you wash the, the mud from your eyes, you will be able to see. Then in Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 to 31, we read about two blind men who came to Jesus. And Jesus Christ laid hands on these blind men. And they received their eyes, sight again. No, that's the healing I want. The one that is clean, he touches you, bam, and you're healed. But that's not how it works. You see, it's called gifts of healings. And Jesus operated in many types of healings. And so sometimes he performed this healing this way, and sometimes he performed the healing another way. Because there are many gifts of healings. And so sometimes you have diseases, and there are gifts of healings that God will use to cause certain diseases to be cured. Some person might have a headache, and somebody might have a special anointing to pray for somebody with headaches. Now, here's what I don't want you to get from what I'm saying. I am not saying that if God gives you the ability to pray for someone and they're healed, that it only is based on one type of disease. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the gift operates in many different ways. See how that works? So you might be praying for somebody's body part, a lung, or, or a certain organ, in, and, and that person will be healed based on you calling out what's going on. But there's also emotional healing. Sometimes people are, are sick mentally, they're depressed, and you might have a certain anointing to release people who are suffering from bondage of depression. You might have a person with multiple personality, and God will cause you to be able to pray and release those multiple personality and bring them together again. Then we need to also understand that not all healings are instantaneous. Sometimes we want to feel that every time somebody prays for you, whoops, and you're healed at the same time. It doesn't necessarily happen that way. And sometimes you have to labor with the person through prayer in order to have the breakthrough. That's why Jesus told the parable of this man who is knocking on a door. And he would not stop knocking until his neighbor came and gave him bread. That is telling us that sometimes we need to be determined in how we pray for others. I was having this, this stomach issue. And I was having this, this pain 
I'm not sure, just, just below my chest bone right here, it's like I was suffering with this pain and I asked Daly to come and, and pray for me and she came and Daly is not as, as charismatic as I am. And so she prayed this wishy-washy prayer <laughs> for me to be healed and so she's moving her hand and I said, no, leave it right there. And I felt the pain leave from here and I felt the pain move through my body and left me. Instantaneous healing. So, so it's not necessarily how charismatic your prayers sound. <laughs> it's the spirit behind the prayers. And then... There was this other time that I was having another episode and Dela came and she prayed for me and it didn't happen immediately. And so let me tell you about my wife. She laid hands on me and she prayed for me about three or four hours until the pain left and it has never returned. Sometimes you have to press through. There's not just one area of healing. Sometimes God is giving you a gift that will release something immediately, but sometimes the gift of healing has to be operated through the perseverance of praying over a period of time. Then the next part of the healing, and this is the last thing I'll say about the gift of healing before I talk about the, the challenges, is that don't leave the job half finished. Speak the word. Here's what I mean by that. Sometimes we pray, Lord, I want you to heal this person. And then we stop right there. That's not where it ends. That's not the end of your job. After you have prayed and said, Lord, I want you to heal this person. It's now your turn to speak to the situation and tell the situation, no pain, I command you to leave in the name of Jesus Christ. God has given you permission. God has given you authority to speak in his name. And as you speak in his name, the pain will leave. That's why sometimes we don't, we don't just pray for people. We ask them, so where do you feel the pain? How is it operating? Is it a deep pain? So that we can say, deep pain, get away. I have had situations where we, we prayed for somebody who had cancer. And we, we command the, the cancer to, to stop, to turn and reverse. And guess what? When the person went to the doctors, the doctors discovered that the cancer did not grow inward. It was growing outward. Because the disease and the sickness would listen to you and it does what you say. So don't leave the prayers halfway Take it all the way through to the end and command that sickness to go. And we're going to activate that next week after we have finished the series. The challenges of the power gifts, when we're talking about the, the gifts of healings, is the feeling, first of all, that you always have to deliver. And I am sorry sometimes for some of the ministers of the gospel when they preach and they're a faith healer and so every time they have to perform and they feel like they have to do something extra. And even if the anointing is not there one day, sometimes they feel like they need to push you to pretend as if the healing is still there. Be released. You are not doing the healing 
It is the Holy Spirit who is doing the healing, so you don't need to feel under pressure to get a healing done. The next thing that we need to understand is the willingness to admit that the unhealed may not be at fault. Sometimes when someone is not healed, we say, well, if you had more faith, you would be healed. That's not true. Because Jesus Christ healed a dead man, and he did not have any faith. When Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, he could not hear and have the faith to believe. So sometimes when someone is not healed, we need to just examine and say, what was the reason? And ask God. But don't determine that it's because that person did not have faith. Let's not put that on anyone. And the final area of the gifts of healings is that the lines never stop. The lines never stop. You will never empty every hospital because by the time you're finished, someone new is there. And so you have to learn how to have times of rest when it comes to operating in the gifts of healing. The final one, working of miracles. The working of miracles is a manifestation of power beyond ordinary course of natural law. It is a divine enablement to do something that could not be done naturally. And an example of this is when Jesus Christ fed the 5,000 people. You don't get a, one little basket of lunch and feed 5,000 people from it. Now, some people are mean and they'll give you a little piece like this. But even that is not going to do 5,000 people. That is a miracle that took place because Jesus Christ declared a multiplication. And so, let's understand the difference between the gifts of healings and miracles. Because whereas healing might change something in somebody's body, a miracle goes beyond that. Miracles are most often creative in nature. The first miracle I ever saw, I've spoken about it before, was someone's foot growing. That's a creative miracle where something that wasn't there before appears because the Spirit of God is creating something. When Jesus Christ walked on the water, that was a creative miracle. And let me explain when we talk about this. Miracles do not break the laws of nature. Sometimes we think miracles are breaking the laws of nature. Not true. God has created certain laws and he will not break these laws. But what miracles do is they align you with the rules that God has created. For example, when Jesus Christ walked on the water, you can't walk on waters, but God has made the rules and he has made the rules that in certain cases, I will command the molecules in the water to come together and you can do that. So it's not really breaking the laws, it's finding yourself in alignment with the laws of God that nobody else would know about. God makes all the laws, and he makes all the rules, and he brings them together. Finally, the working of miracles is usually a twin to the gift of faith, meaning people who are powerful in their lives as ministers in miracles are usually people who also have the gift of faith. So not everybody who has the gift of faith performs miracles, but 
everybody who performs miracles, in most cases, I would say, I won't say everybody, but in most cases, will also have the gift of faith. Here are the challenges. The first challenge is just as we had before, the feeling that you always have to deliver. And I release you from that today. God is the one who performs miracles in you through the Holy Spirit. The next area is the Jesus complex. And the road to revival is littered with hundreds of Christians who started out well, but then as they started performing miracles, they started to feel that they were the Messiah. They started to feel that they were the called ones. And they started to operate in certain ways. I've heard a story of, of one man who, he's in South Florida, and I've been praying for one of my friends to become a Christian for years and years. And he finally became a Christian and started attending this church. And the pastor who performed miracles, after he's finished preaching, he would sit on the platform and the women would come and massage his, his feet. We get crazy when we start operating with a little bit of power in our lives. We start, getting, we start thinking that we are the chosen ones. And we have to have a balanced life. And so there is the need for humility. There is the need for us to say, even though you have used me in the gift of, of, of healings and the gifts of healings and in the gift of faith and in the working of miracles, I am going to remain humble before you. The power gifts need the fruit of the Spirit more than anything else. More than all the gifts of the Spirit, you have to use the fruit of the Spirit when you're operating in the power gifts. And so I close by reminding us about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And we need to use those gifts, those, the fruit of the Spirit, as we operate the gifts of the Spirit. Because when you are praying for someone to be healed, you need to have love for them. If you don't have love for the brethren, you're not going to sit with somebody five, six hours and pray until they, heal, they get healed. You're not going to be hanging on. You need joy when people are bringing their problems to you that you are going to have the joy of the Holy Spirit in your life. You need the peace of God when, when situations around you are going awry. And you have to have the gift of faith to know that I am standing on the sure word of God even though everything else is going wrong. You need long-suffering or patience to wait upon the Lord for Him to do the things that He wants to do. You need gentleness and self-control, especially when you begin to operate in the gifts of the working of miracles. Because when you start working miracles, you might think that you are it and you can step out and do whatever you want. But you need to control yourself remembering that it's the Holy Spirit who has placed this gift in your life. If you want some power in your life, the Holy Spirit will give you that power. If you're lacking power in your life, 
the Holy Spirit has some gifts for you. This morning I want to let you know that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, these power gifts are for you. But we have to be humble before God. We have to be willing to say, I don't know. We have to be willing to say, Lord, I'm just a vessel and I want you to use me. So I want you to stand right now and I want to pray for you. We have been talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit is available for every Christian. If you are not a Christian, God is not going to use you. If you're not a Christian, God is not going to use you the way that he wants to use his Christians. So if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want, before we pray for the Christians, to pray for you. Just raise your hand right now. If you want to meet the Lord who died for your sins, who came, who was buried, and who rose again for you, Just raise your hand. We want to pray for you right now. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you, Lord, that your gifts are without repentance. I thank you, Lord, that you never sleep, Lord. That you never slumber, Lord, but your eyes are open to your people. And you want to come, Lord, and you want to touch each and every one of your children, Lord. Lord, I just ask you right now, pour out your spirit, O oh God. Pour out your spirit on your people, Lord. Grant that the, these power gifts we have been speaking about will be evident in our lives, Lord. Lord, we need your power. We need your gift of faith, Lord. We need to believe in you, Lord. We need to see you working in our lives, Lord. So come, Holy Spirit. Touch your people, Lord. Lord, you are the one we are seeking. You're the one we are longing for, Lord. So come, Holy Spirit. Lord, there are some who might feel that their time has passed. And they might feel that these gifts won't be used in their lives, Lord. But I ask you, call these gifts back, Lord. Lord, I ask you that you would show them one more time how much you want to use them. And Father, if anyone feels unworthy... I ask you, just pour your spirit out upon them, Lord. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Fill them, Lord. Fill them, Lord, with your spirit. My brothers and sisters, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up.
the light of his countenance upon you and give you his shalom, shalom, his perfect peace. Now go into all the world and preach the gospel knowing that the Lord Jesus Christ is with you from now until the end of the age. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you all.